It was it was a while ago. Oh, wow. It was that like a couple months ago. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So let me get to where we are today. So yeah, Shabbat Shalom. We are in um, Amos, and this is the next prophet kind of in the lineup. And the thing I love and appreciate about especially the, the minor prophets, and I, I don't remember if I said this before, but the minor prophets are not minor in importance. Right. <laughs> Sometimes people call them the minor prophets. And, and it is, I, I think that a lot of times people tend to look at what are the, you know, Oh well, that's a short book. It must not yeah. be. There must not be a lot in there, you know. And if you were here for Obadiah. I hope you realize that's not the case. <laughs> sometimes, you know, the the whole idea of little thi- the best things come in small packages, and sometimes it's the the when God was just to the point that that you're able to get the most the most out of it with the the least, you know, fluff. Um, Amos one. Well, Amos is a little bit longer. I think it's nine or ten. Chapter. So we're going to start it today. We're going to do a couple, and then um, and we'll talk about them as we go. And I've got three on here for today. We'll see what we get through. Um, but the words of Amos, who was among the herdsmen of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. So kind of like we've talked before about when it says, you know, and then so-and-so, you know, the so-and-so who was the kid of so-and-so, and he did that thing, so that you're, there's no confusion about it. Um, it it's, we very much are supposed to know who Amos was. <laughs> He's among the herdsmen of Tekoa. <laughs> These are the words which he saw concerning Israel in the days. Of, and... Um, and I do still, you know, if you're if you're studying at home or want to, you know, want to try and understand more of what's going on at that time, I have up a. If you go to the hereunderstandobey.com, is our congregational website, and I have in the search engine you can type in um, uh, like a prophet timeline or it's, I think I called it a right-brained prophet timeline or king's timeline because uh, all of the timelines I can find anywhere have. Like, the name and the date. Sometimes they have the name of the kings, the name of the kings, the name of the prophet, the name of it. But it's, that's all it is. And I, some people think that way. Some people are left brain linear and they, they love names and dates and, and their own brain provides all the other stuff because they filed it under the names and dates. My brain does not work that way. <laughs> I had trouble in history classes that were structured based on that's what you were supposed to learn. Because to me, it's like it's like looking in a filing cabinet, and all I need to know, like, all I have to know, is the names, and I don't know what's in the file. And for me, I remember the names based on. Remember that story of the guy who did, you know? So this, yeah, the one who, you know, he was the, Uzziah was king, and you no, know, Jeroboam was in Israel, and yeah, him, him. Um, so I did a timeline that way that has the names <coughs> and the dates across, you know, between the kings, and then what happened under their kingdom, you know, what happened to them, anything of importance that the Bible makes very specific note of or that's referenced back from other, like, in the prophets. Um, so that, that kind of thing helps me as I'm, as I'm studying out. Um, and it's, it's up there. You can download it. But he said... Hear, huh? understand, hear, hear, understand, obey. Obey. Yeah, the three, the three main meanings of Shema. Oh. Yeah. 
because you can't. It's where how how will they how will they obey if they have never heard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the words uh, uh, he said. These are his words. The Lord will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem, and the pastures of the shepherds will mourn, and the top of Carmel will wither. The thing I want to point out in the imagery here is the pastures Mm -hmm. and, and the top of Carmel. It's the land. The land will listen. The land will hear God. The land will mourn. The land will wither. Um, well, yeah, this, and the, yeah, yeah. He said this two years before that earthquake. <laughs> the Lord says, "For three transgressions of Damascus, yes, for four. Let me read. Let me read this a different way because of the grammar. For three transgressions of Damascus, yes. For four, I will not turn away its punishment, because they have threshed Gilead with threshing instruments of iron. But I will send a fire into the house of Hazael, and it will devour the palaces of Ben Hadad. I will break the bar of Damascus and cut off the inhabitant from the valley of Aven, and him who holds the scepter from the house of Eden, and the people of Syria shall go into captivity to care, says the Lord. The Lord says, for three transgressions of Gaza, yes. For four, I will not turn away its punishment. Because they carried away captive the whole community to deliver them up to Edom. But I will send a fire on the wall of Gaza, and it will devour its palaces. I will cut off the inhabitant from Ashdod, and him who holds the scepter from Ashkelon. And I will turn my hand against Ekron, and the remnant of the Philistines will perish, says the Lord. The Lord. The Lord says, for three transgressions of Tyr, yes. For four, I will not turn away its punishment. Because they delivered up the whole community to Edom and didn't remember the brotherly covenant. But I will send a fire on the wall of Tyr and it will devour its palaces. The Lord says, For three transgressions of Edom, yes. For four, I will not turn away its punishment. Because he pursued his brother with the sword and cast off all pity. And his anger raged continually and he kept his wrath forever. But I will send a fire on Timon, and it will devour the palaces of Basra. The Lord says, For three transgressions of the children of Ammon, yes, for four I will not turn away its punishment, because they have ripped open the pregnant women of Gilead, and that they may enlarge their border. But I will kindle a fire in the wall of Rabbah, and it will devour its palaces with shouting in the day of battle, with a storm in the day of the whirlwind, and their king will go into captivity, he and his princes together, says the Lord. So if you see a pattern here, it's, there's this picture of God saying, you've done lots of things that you know about, 
this last one, enough. You've taken your brother captive and turned him over to the enemy. You've destroyed pregnant women, not just them, but the next generation, in order to enlarge your border. You've, you've made victims of humans in order to devour and to grow and to obtain and to collect and to expand. And when you're doing these things, it's not that expanding borders is a problem. It's what you do and how you go about it. Even in the prayer about, about the work, you know, let me, not, let, let me think about the consequences and not make unwise choices just to make a sale. You know, let me not take advantage of anyone. Um, so kings will be going into captivity. There will be a storm. There will be fire. There will be, you know, you, you, you have all that in expanded border, Here's what's going to happen within it. Amos 2. Um, can you please real quick go and see if there's an emergency that she needs help with and just answer whatever you want. Call her? No, just, or, or if she needs that. I don't know what's going on. The Lord says, for three transgressions of Moab, yes. For four, I will not turn away its punishment because he burned the bones of the king of Edom into lime. But I will send a fire on Moab, and it will devour the palaces of Kerion, and Moab will die with tumult, with shouting, and with the sound of the shofar. And I will cut off the judge from among them, and will kill all its princes with him, says the Lord. The Lord says, For three transgressions of Judah, yes, for four, I will not turn away its punishment because they have rejected the Lord's law and have not kept his statutes, and their lies have led them astray, after which their fathers walked. But I will send a fire on Judah, and it will devour the palaces of Jerusalem. The Lord says, For three transgressions of Israel, yes, for four I will not turn away its punishment, because they have sold the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of shoes. There, it definitely has. I mean, he's saying, you know, there's, there were, like I say, there. I've endured. You've done lots of things. This, this last one, too many, too far. This, you know, because there, as we, you know, we've talked about so many times the, the constantly, you know, sending the message. Oh, oh yeah, no, we repent, we repent. We'll be, you know, and he's, and he, the the thing is. Even when he turns, you know, that it's, a lot of times we read, it's not that God says, oh, you're right, that's not going to happen. It's more that it won't happen in your lifetime. Or I will, I will hold this off for now because of your repentance. I will, I, will, I will extend the opportunity for you to show me, you know, for you to turn this around. Um, but the imagery of this one, They've sold the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of shoes. So, well, all I can get, okay, if all I can get for you is a pair of shoes, then fine. I'd rather have the pair of shoes. And it's, it's just a very, like I said, the little short words, 
<laughs> if the prophet, if God and that prophet are going to get to the point, they're going to get to the point. I'm imagining Amos's friends didn't really want him to come around very much. Yeah. <laughs> because you're like, oh, what I do now? Yeah, the message said they would sell their own grandmother. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. And the, the fact that Edom is involved in this, and that a reference back to the battle between Esau and Jacob. Right. So that's really pursuing. And the Moabites and the Ammonites, and the they're all family. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They're all family, and, and it's like you, there's no reunion, no happy reunion going on. They're not all meeting in Jamaica. This is, there. there's no peace between them at all. And not even no peace between them, but if I can strike a deal with you, and you'll take my annoying brother off my hand, you can have him. You do whatever you want. I don't care how you treat him. I don't care what you do to him. He's just not here bothering me anymore. There, there's this this breakdown of love to the basis level that instead of seeing a needy person and, and being moved with compassion to help them, there was, I, I don't know if, if all of you heard about it or not, but a year or so ago there was a, a man in New, there was a man in New York who gave, he may have been a fireman, I don't remember all the details, but he gave a homeless person his, his shoes because it was really cold out and, and it was like before winter or something. And someone caught it, caught, caught it with their cell phone and uploaded it and it went around. And, and, and there, was, there was one movement of people then being more inspired to go and, and do Play things like that and go, if I have something extra going, not even giving it to ministries, but actually going down and giving it to somebody that they saw being in need. What you may not know about is the other movement that prompted, which was selfies with homeless people, where people would just go, you know, young people were going and, you know, taking pictures of themselves with homeless people and uploading them. And I, I think that kind of, the, 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 I don't know, there's just so two oppositional things going on there where some people were able to see, oh, you know, he did something important and he helped someone. And, and that is important. And it is getting cold in New York. And maybe I should go out. And it's getting cold here. Maybe I should go out and do something. Maybe I should. And then there were people who go, Picture with a homeless person went viral. I'm going to take a picture with a homeless person. Totally missed the point. These are the people that Amos is talking to. (laughs) Amos is saying for three transgressions, yes, but for four, you took pictures with homeless people to go viral. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. You used people. You saw them as nothing or worse. Because what religion does God value? Taking care of the widow, taking care of the orphan, obedience over sacrifice. Is everything okay? You can tell me. It's okay, I'm okay. Um, they trample on the dust of the earth on the head of the poor. They step on people to get what they want and deny justice to the oppressed. And God has never been wishy-washy about his, his requirements for justice. You know, the no, no, don't, no, 
no false transgress, you know, or no um, um, lies about your neighbor. No, you know, you you are not to you are not to go easy on the oppressed if they did wrong. They're still accountable for doing wrong. You can't like, well, we'll let you go because you didn't know better. Because well, I understand it was you know you had a rough week. I get it. But right, a consequence. But and on, but on the other side, you don't, you know, you don't punish them for being oppressed, and you don't punish the rich for being rich. But you also don't let them go because, well, I mean, you're a good person otherwise, you know. Okay, you did a bad thing here, and um, you know, there's this idea that there's this 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 issue that's that's kind of coming out from some other things we've talked about that going on today. But this idea that People shouldn't be held accountable for their for their crimes because God forgives sins, and that it's two separate things. Yes. Yes. You know, and that doesn't mean that we have to be always, you know, stoning people for anything that they do that's a crime. But that doesn't mean it. Also, doesn't mean that God forgiving your sins means that the world and the community and the government around you should then go, you're right. Yeah, we'll let you go. God forgave you. You said sorry. It's fine. No big deal. Because there's the, the issue of, of making amends. There's consequences. And so, yay, praise God, and absolutely he forgave your sins. Now we need to talk about the impact of the crime on society. You know, when you steal, you have to give back. You know, if you've already sold it, you give what you sold it for times whatever. You know, if you if you if you have a bull known to gore and your bull gets out and kills somebody, you can't just go. But I forgave the bull. You know, <laughs> he told me he wouldn't gore again. I don't know what to do. You know, he stayed in the fence all week. I didn't think I needed to mend it. He didn't go anywhere. You know, it's it's your your actions have impact. And when you're, of course, you're denying justice to the oppressed when you're selling them for a pair of shoes. Yeah. And a man and his father used the same maiden to profane my holy name. And they lay themselves down beside every altar on clothes taken in pledge. Uh, you know, the, the, the command, you can, you can, the poor man gives you his, his shirt or his jacket or something um, as, as promise of repayment for something you've given him, you're still commanded to give it back to him at night so he doesn't freeze. You know, it's, it's not, you, you can't just hold, you know, well, I'm, I'm sorry that you're dying in the cold over there because I have your coat, but you're still using my plow. So if you could plow a little faster during the day, maybe I could give you your coat back tomorrow night. You know, it's, it's not that. It's not, you know, what is his coat to you? <laughs> you know, what is his coat to you if he should die because you have it? And in the house of their God, they drink the wine of those who have been fined. So the drink offerings that people who are bringing, they're going in and, and they're, you know, doing unrighteous things and getting drunk on the wine. and Yet I destroyed the Amorite before them, whose height was like the height of the cedars, and he was strong as the oaks. Yet I destroyed his fruit from above and his roots from beneath. You know, so lest you think that I'm not capable. You know, all the people I drove out before you to give this to you, 
very big people. Yeah, very, very big people. People you wandered for 40 years because you were afraid to take them on. Remember that? I took them out from above. I took them out from below. I removed them completely to put you here. Don't think you can live like them and stay. You came in for a reason. Is he talking to just Judah about all of these? Well, this one is to, is to the northern kingdom. Okay. And, and when, you know, he called out Judah, he's calling out each, he's talking to, to the whole area, calling out each of them very specifically, okay. telling them how, what's about to happen, you know. You want to know why this is happening to you? Okay. <laughs> this is why. So, I'm not holding it back because of these things. So he said Judah too, so he said that in addition Because to they didn't keep his laws. Okay. You know, Israel, this is why it's happening to you. Okay. You know, and it's, it's interesting because in the last couple of, of prophets we've looked at there's this aspect of this is happening over here don't you go thinking you're better it's not your time yeah. <laughs> but I'm dealing with this group right now and now Amos is saying all y'all everybody something's about to happen and y'all you know what you want to take glory in each other's pain you want to take advantage of each other when they're when you're the other person's down you this is what you did you this is what you did you for this, you know, you know what you did, and 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 he's calling it all out. Also, I brought you up out of the land of Egypt and led you forty years in the wilderness to possess the land of the Amorite. I raised up some of your sons for prophets and some of your young men for Nazarites. Isn't this true, you children of Israel? Says the Lord. But you gave the Nazarites wine to drink and commanded the prophets, saying, "Don't prophesy." Behold, I will crush you in your place as a cart crushes that is full of grain. Flight will perish from the swift, and the strong won't strengthen his force. Neither shall the mighty deliver himself. Neither shall he stand who handles the bow, and he who is swift of foot won't escape. Neither shall he who rides the horse deliver himself, and he who is courageous among the mighty will flee away naked on that day, says the Lord. So, oh, you think you're going to run somewhere? Nope. Well, you think you're strong. You got it. You're good with the bow. Not going to help you. You're fast. You're fast. You're going to get out of. Nope. You think you're so brave that nothing will take. You? No. No. None of your strength, none of your effort, none of your abilities will do a thing for you. Because all of those abilities are why they're, you know, well, I'm stronger than you. I can take you down. You know, I'm, I'm faster than you. I can do this thing and get away and nothing will happen to me. And God's going, mm, no, none of that's going to help you. That's why it's happening. It's not going to be your escape. Amos 3. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, children of Israel, against the whole family, which I brought up out of the land of Egypt, saying, I have only chosen you of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all of your sins. Do, you, do two walk together unless they have agreed? Will a lion roar in the thicket when he has no prey? Does a young lion cry out of his den if he has caught something? So, you know, crying, so is, he's got dinner in there. He's not crying outside. He's going in. Can a bird fall in a trap on the earth where no snare is set for him? Does a snare spring up from the ground when there is nothing to catch? Does a shofar alarm sound in the city without the people being afraid? 
does evil happen to a city and the Lord hasn't done it? And again, they're not evil as in God doing evil, but nothing's happening to you that the Lord hasn't approved, allowed, not held back. Um, because, and again, just a reminder, because we talked about last time, that punishment, punishment not being, it's, it's not like our modern idea of God giving you, I'm giving you a smackdown, or, you know, God took me to the woodshed. That's not what this is. This, it's, it's this, there are consequences for what you do. And God has held back the consequences. You know, in, in one of the other prophets, he, talk, he talks about bringing Israel out by the hand like a toddler when they left Egypt. And then he talks about something else when he was a young child. And then at the end, he's, and now you are a grown man. And these are the things you're doing. So this isn't like a child in time out. This is a grown man going to prison. This is, this is the person who's been, you know, who's been taught and nurtured and shown. And, and there have been things going on that he should have learned from. You know, where every time we read, and there was peace until they did this. You know, and God would come to the new king and say, there will be peace so long as you do these things. And then they did those things, and there was peace, and they decided to go do something else. This is God saying, we're there. This is how it's going to happen. Surely the Lord God will do nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. The lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? Proclaim in the palaces of Ashdod and in the palaces in the land of Egypt and say, Assemble yourselves on the mountains of Samaria and see what unrest is in her and what oppression is among them. Indeed, they don't know to do right, says the Lord, who hoard plunder and loot in their palaces. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, an adversary will overrun the land and he will pull down your strongholds and your fortresses will be plundered. The Lord says, as the shepherd rescues out of the mouth of the lion two legs or a piece of an ear, so shall the children of Israel be rescued who sit in Samaria on the corner of a couch and on the silken cushions of a bed. Listen and testify against the house of Jacob, says the Lord God, the God of hosts. For in the day that I visit the transgressions of Israel on him, I will also visit the altars of Bethel, and the horns of the altar will be cut off and fall to the ground. I will strike the winter house with the summer house, and the houses of ivory will perish, and the great houses will have an end, says the Lord. So there is more to come. Just, you know, in case that wasn't enough, and you think, but there's more. What else is God going to do? There'll be more next week. But there is, you know that moment where you know you push someone too far? Yeah. <laughs> and there's no words you have. There's nothing you can do. The best thing you can do. I mean, it, well, shut up. You know, and, and yet in the midst of this, like I was saying last week, when things are happening, you have individually, you can get right with God. Right. 
individually, you can hear this and you can go, I, you know, oh, well, I live in that area. And yeah, I did that. I watched it. I didn't stop it. I said something, but I stopped because my neighbor didn't want to hear it anymore. Um, you know, whatever. But you can, you can go before the Lord and go, you're right. We deserve this. And I want to be right with you. You know, kind of like David when, when he knew his son was going to die and he prayed and he prostrated him before the Lord and he fasted and he cried. And then when his son died, he got up, cleaned himself, shaved, got dressed and came out and they said, well, is it now when you should be grieving? He said, no, I was before God while there was something that might have changed things. It's done. There's nothing more for me to do. And so, right, and I'll see, I'll see him there. And so, you know, you could be one of the people who survives the earthquake. Or if you're not, you want to make sure that you're right with God before you stand in front of him. And so, so there, is, there is a grace in the warning in that way. Corporately, yeah. you're going down. Individually, they had that right back in before Jesus, before the cross. They could do, I mean. Well, the Bible talks about salvation in the same phrases and words before and after. What they understood would be different. Okay. And, and that's, that's one of the things that when, when Paul is writing and the other, the other um, apostles, when they're writing, what they're trying to explain is this is how Yeshua clarified these things. We knew these things were going to happen. Here's where Yeshua did that. Here's where Yeshua did that. Here's where Yeshua did this. You're right, he hasn't done this, but that's because we can see now that that's something for a future time. Just like he did all these things, we trust he's going to do these. So, so in a sense, our, our hope is very similar to Israel before the cross in that we believe the other things will come. Okay. Does that we make sense? Right, right. They okay. were before the cross right. looking we're at the picture, that. and we're eternity. before that final judgment and eternity okay. trying to understand it okay. all. So we have more clarity mm-hmm. because true. Yeshua came to correct misunderstandings okay. and to teach and to do certain things. Okay but not all of those things. So now we are in that big place. And, you know, so just like when, when people look back on ancient Israel and go, oh, well, they got that wrong. Or, oh, they were teaching that. What a crazy teaching. Mm-hmm. And then I look at some of the teachings out there today and I go, we're teaching that. What a crazy teaching. <laughs> and and so, um, you know, when, and I don't remember if you were here on the day I shared that, shared this, but um, one of the things that I believe very, very, very strongly is that the best way to try and understand or, or I hate to predict, interpret, but you know, the be- when we're trying to understand the prophecies about the things that have not happened yet, the, I believe that the best way is to look at the things that were said about things that did happen and see what God meant okay. by those things. Yeah. So if God says something's going to happen and this is how it's fulfilled, and then the same prophet uses these words about a future time, mm-hmm. We've got an idea. We can, you know, we're not just having to guess. Right. We're not just having to, and yet with, with a level of humility that says, and yet until something that's prophesied happens, we yeah, don't know no, exactly that, what it's going to look so like for real. Yeah. You know, we can't, we can't be standing there going, 
this is is obviously a sign. And that means it's going to be what I thought it was going to be. Because, and last week, don't follow the signs. Right. <laughs> the signs are not what you're looking for. Right. And, and I think there's, there's an aspect to that that sometimes people can get so caught up in trying to follow, understand, and read the signs to try and properly predict what's happening. And when it, when it moves to like a clinical level, when understanding the prophecy becomes the point, mm -hmm. then you're guilty of doing the things like the people are doing right. here. Right. You know, if, I, if I'm so excited that I think I've understood the prophecy that certain people are going to be perished, yeah. and, you know, I got it, I figured it out, so those people are going to die, mm -hmm. and then these people don't get to spend eternity with God. Mm -hmm. I totally understand this now. And God's going... Uh, missed the point of all of that. Why are you excited you figured it out? If that's what you think it means, why are you not loving, ministering, witnessing to the people? Why are you not helping them prepare for what's coming? Why are you sitting here in your, in your study thrilled you've got it figured out when what you figured out, if you're right, is that perishing and... It's not good. Point. Where's your... Where's your perspective and and so this is it's one again you know if I'm there and if I'm hearing Amos and I and, and if it's piercing my heart and I'm going oh my gosh what's the response you know and and this is even when we looked at Revelation there's this there's this picture of them being you know them knowing them being warned them being warned and there are the people who hear the warning and fall on their face before God there are the people who laugh and mock at the warning. There are people who get angry and take it out on the person giving the warning. Which reveals nothing about God and everything about them. It's not the word that's the problem. It's not what's coming that's the problem. It's what's the response in the hearts of the people hearing it and what it reveals about them. So, yeah, you know, two years before the earthquake, two years is a pretty long time that you could have done a lot. Yeah, two years ago. Could have moved. I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't what you just said go back to, to your question? Yes. The, was there something that they could have done about it? Because in that time period, there wasn't the salvation that right. we understand today. Right. But I think it is fair to say that God has always looked on Right. right. Because people could, people, regardless of whether we're in the old covenant or the new covenant, we can go through both of us. And our hearts can be, our hearts can be trampling the dust of the, right. of the destitute. Right. But we're doing all the right things. Right. And we're going nowhere. Mm -hmm. But we can also be struggling, and our hearts are where they need to be, and, and we're, we're working toward that. God sees that intent yeah. part. Yeah, he could take and use that. But right. there is something yeah. here in, in the, the Hebrew, the Jewish Bible, and it says, um, for Yehudah's three crimes, no four, I will not reverse it because he rejected Adonai's trial mm -hmm. and haven't observed his laws. And despite the fact, you know, they were under the law. And it just became because too difficult. 
it was just too hard. And they, and this was a, I mean, they were all, this, the tribes and so forth were all important to God, obviously, from what Amos is saying. But this one was bad. Well, they had the temple. Right, and Mm -hmm. see that, that's the thing, right. So they could, in those two years, they could have redeemed themselves by going back to to the covenant, to God's blessings of of Israel. Mm -hmm. So even if they corporately didn't agree, I mean, because like even in today's society, like we're in the world, not other world, but they have like individually just gone to the priest and did offer the sacrifice and... I think that the individuals could have. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Because, you know, that's when, um, in Mount Sinai, you know, that's a really good example. You know, when you study the Torah, and at that point, you know, Moses was speaking for a community, Mm -hmm. you know, the Kahal. He was the one that was in charge of them, and he was speaking for, for all of them. Right. But even then, what happened, they gave God... A, they said, yes, we're going to do everything you say, mm-hmm. but they even failed. Right. So that's what kept happening. They kept failing God. God mm-hmm. would give them and give them and give them, and they did not They did not adhere to the original covenant. But that yeah. one man went to speak on all of their behalf. Mm-hmm. There were thousands of them. Right, so and he said, I will go and see, what did he say? I will go and get atonement for you. I will go and do these things. I will, I will, I will intercede on your behalf. To, but you have to. Yeah. And, and sometimes, said, right? Hey, you have to do this, and they said we'll do it, and then they won't. And then right. all of a sudden, there's a cap down, yeah. right? Down yeah. the mountain, mm-hmm. well, just popped out of the water. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's right. That that was what I will get atonement for you. Could you just Stop don't just it. till I get back? Don't do anything <laughs> yeah. for goodness' yeah. sake. I'll be back. Yeah. And, and you know the salvation. The the words. It's interesting because. Because there's a lot about salvation that is actually talked about in the same language and in the same words, in that they could be saved before Yeshua, just like we can be saved after. Because it's not the salvation that has changed. Salvation is based on a belief and a trust and a hope in God and his promises, which included a promise of Messiah, included a promise of you know return, a promise of all these things. And when you hope in and and in him. I think one of the things that a lot of churches have done and the history of the church has done has kind of, well, in, in all of the separating out from the, from the Jewish Hebraic foundation, has said, um, we've created these nice little rituals and traditions and words, and if you say these, and if you understand this study, then we'll all know you're saved. And, and the sinner's prayer is one of them. Not that I despise the sinner's prayer. Not that I'm saying that the sinner's prayer doesn't mean anything because what it's expressing mm-hmm. is, is good. But it, it begs the, the deep theological question, does saying those words make you saved? Right. Or did someone put that prayer together because it's a great little summary of what's supposed to be happening as you change your understanding and transition and turn to the Lord. You know, is it, is it, if you don't speak those words, are you not saved? Right. If you've had that change of heart and that transition of mm-hmm. mind and you love and hope on the Lord. Well, and, you know, it's, are you saved if you understand the doctrine of your church and agree with it? Or are you saved 
because of your relationship with God, and you might agree sometimes and might disagree sometimes, you might be not, well, I don't understand that yet, I haven't looked at that, or, you know, is salvation only a corporate thing? And how much importance is the individual within that? So you, you know? You just define the difference in the mind between religion and relationship. Mm-hmm. Because right. Because religion won't get you right. in relationship with right. right. And relationship existed in the beginning. Before Yeshua. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Cain and Abel, to me, always seem like a good example of the difference bringing my offering from the heart mm-hmm. right. bringing my offering out of obligation yeah. because of religion mm-hmm. right. and one was accepted and one wasn't arguably yeah. they may have both been perfectly fine they, they may have fit the right. definition right. 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 right but God used a heart mm-hmm. yeah. and because of that one was accepted I've always, I've always kind of noted that it, I think that not reading it right before me but when Abel brought it talks about the the best, like the best of his crops. You know, we kind of mentioned last week about how God doesn't define what the corners of the field that you're supposed to leave for the poor. He doesn't define it. He doesn't, he says the corner. He doesn't say which constitutes of this many stocks or this measurement of grain. Right. He says, he says, leave the corners and, and how much you leave. And the attitude with which you leave it. Because I think if you go, oh, well, I'm going to leave a big corner and then people will see that I'm so righteous. You know, you're not leaving it for, for everybody to go, ooh, look how righteous they are. You know, you're leaving it to feed that many people. You're leaving it to, you know, God, you didn't define the corner. And I want to make sure that I leave enough. I want to make sure that all the hungry people are taken care of. I want to make sure that the things you're doing, I'm not hindering. And so, you know, but I've always gotten the feeling that Cain kind of maybe brought like a couple of, you know, measly little calves that were like, well, I guess I can do without these, you know, or I can get rid of these. This will be fine. It won't cut into my party Tuesday night. You know, it's, it's just this, I'm going to give this little measly amount. Um, it, it, it's, it constitutes it. Well, you know, I want to say that this is a, a miracle, I, I think. And for those of you that baked, I baked challah on, mm-hmm. on the Sabbath, or before the Sabbath. And during the high holidays... Mm-hmm. Um, I was rushing around trying to hurry, hurry and bake some bread. And I wasn't in the right spirit. Um, the kids, you know, get on my nerves. And it was just, <laughs> I was trying to focus and so forth. And, and all of a sudden, I bake this bread and I measure everything out. And all of a sudden, it was close to the time when the buzzer was about to go off so I could get the first rise out of this bread. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. I forgot to put the yeast on the <laughs> <laughs> And so I put the yeast in there. And God knew my heart. He did. I go in there. And it's so high, it's falling out of the bowl. It's still The dough is small. Wow. remember that? Wow. And God knew my heart. And that was yeah. some of the best ways. Wow, I bet. Wow. I bet. And he knew that I was trying, but I just, after that, I did. I repented. I asked God to do And I didn't really focus on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I think and that's... And you're pregnant, too. You 
Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, funny. And I, I think that, I think, like, kind of on the individual, like, to us today kind of plant, I don't know. I think that there are a lot of people proclaiming a lot of prophetic things that, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Some I hear and I go, that that actually sounds, you know, the spirit That's in me says, says, yeah, there's something to that, or at least there's part. And then there's a lot of people I go, oh, he's talking again? Okay. And, you know, <laughs> turn the channel. Not because I don't want to hear God's word, but because there's nothing about what that person's saying that resonates with scripture, that resonates with the spirit in me. There's... There, I don't feel convicted. I feel yelled at and, and yeah. accused. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's not the spirit God comes in. Right. You know, now, and now if God's, you know, what, what's real, a lot of times I think people hear the prophets and they think that they were all standing around and raving and, you know, ah. probably not. <laughs> you know, they may have stood and declared it, but but not they're not there's nothing that indicates that they were i mean this guy's a shepherd mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a Good. shepherd he's not he's not you know raised in rhetoric and public speaking and and you know he doesn't seem crazy he's pretty quick you know pretty concise right. and he's it doesn't seem like he's out there he doesn't want attention from nobody nobody wants attention for themselves i mean at this time you know <laughs> and 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 the people who did want attention yeah, the other prophet would come and take him down, you know. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things where, where God's not going to use you as a prophet if you're doing what was it Simon the magician who comes and is like, let me buy that from you. Teach me how to do your tricks. How are you doing this? You know, can I get access to the spirit of God? How does this work? You know, and they're like, oh, get away. This is not okay. So. So the fact that he prophesied this, these things happen, it got kept in the, you know, the, the Jewish canon, and, and the fact that these things are real lead me to think that he probably wasn't a crazy ranter out on the street. You know, he's probably crying over these yeah. words. You know, I, like I told you. Right, right. And, and you know, Gabriella talked, and I had talked about this last week, and I, I think I mentioned it before, but I always have gotten the impression about the gift of prophecy when you read about it or when, when different people talk about it, there's this idea that it's the gift of, of being given access to the mind of God so that you can speak his truth into the world. And that is not what it is. That is not the gift of prophecy. The, the prophetic, you know, gifting, yet there is an aspect to the idea of prophet being the speaker of God's word. You are prophesying every time you speak God's word. Okay, right. You know, that, right. that is... Pro- yourself, right. But when you're talking about things that are beyond the word of God, okay? If it's in the word of God and you speak it, you're good because you're quoting him. The concept of, of not taking the Lord's in vain, name in vain carries a very large aspect of do not quote him as saying things he did not say. And do not, you know, try and take words he did not give and, and, may, and call them his. And you know, when I've given prophetic words in the past, I will, I will pause and I'll say, this is me. Right. Right. Because I don't. I don't want to be taken down. Like like Paul does. He goes. You know. You ask this question. I don't have a clear answer from God. Here's my ideas on it. Whatever. You know. And the the church reads them today. And a lot. You know. Not 
like everybody in the church, but different aspects of it and go, well, this is what we're commanded. No, Paul's saying, here's some wisdom. You know, I, this is how I'd approach it. I, I now define prophecy as the gift of having access to the heart of God to be motivated to pray and, and be able to speak when he tells you. You know, whether you're speaking specific words he tells you to or whether you're going to the person and saying, I feel that God's calling me to talk to you today. What's going on? You know, so when you, when you have access to the heart of God, then you can be motivated to be effective yes. for him. Okay. You know, like, like your example with, with the young man and with his mom. Because you were, you know, you, you, you're accessing the heart of God and you're carrying that burden that he put on you for how he feels about those people. He's, he's bringing you together with them at the right times. He's giving you the words to encourage them and to speak to them. You know, not every truly prophetic word is, and thus saith the Lord, this will happen unless you do this. You know, it's, it's more, wow, what a burden you're carrying. My goodness. You know, God, I, I just sensed that. Like, I saw you, and God just put on my heart this weight mm-hmm. that, that, that was your burden, and I, I understand. It's, you know, it's encouragement or, or, or empathy. It's, it's the ability sure. to, to just be with someone and, and see them and love them the way God sees them and loves them. And you know what God has told me? You know, we're talking about religion, religion and relationships. Mm-hmm. And um, God showed me that, like, right now my son is estranged from me, and... Um, even though I'm related to him, mm-hmm. that was still... So he showed me that while religion, you know, we know, but relationship, he said he wants us to move from relationship to fellowship to mm-hmm. even deeper... Right, deeper right. ...encounterment, personal encounterment. And I think that's, that's a, you know, in, all, in the, all the different, you know, communities that I've been a part of, not, and not everybody, but there are people who, who say that, oh, I don't want religion, I want a relationship. And what they really mean is, I don't want all the trappings of having to do anything. I would just like to be <laughs> free with the happiness of God, you know. And I'm going, well, yeah, but in my relationship with other people, there are boundaries. There mm-hmm. are things that are okay. There are things that aren't okay. Right. There, there are... There are limits on on what's acceptable and the idea that you can be in a relationship with god that is lawless mm-hmm. it's worse than <laughs> it's, well it's you know the the rabbis always have said it's they they think it's better to not know god and do what he says than to know god and not because if you know god you've said yes I accept you. I accept your, you, you know, the, the relationship you're telling me to walk in with you. I, ex- I accept this for myself. If you don't know God, you're not, he, how would you know? He right. doesn't expect you to know. Right. But once you know, you know. But once you know, you know. And then what you, and then as you understand, because even knowing isn't enough. Right. You know, right. as you move to understanding. Right. And so, so it's so important that. You know, so often so many Jewish people reject Yeshua because he's presented as a man of lawlessness. Right. He came to, way to do, came to do away with the law. You know, well, why are you eating that? Well, Jesus died so I can eat anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> really? Wow. Jesus died preach. so I can meet a, a, a 
taste bud desire? I don't know. Don't don't minimize what Yeshua did. Don't don't make it coarse. Don't don't make it. You know. Yeah. Personal conviction too. Right. And I right. One thing that the Lord has been showing Gil and I for a while now, and uh, is that it's the the verbiage that we need to right. educate ourselves when we're trying to witness to a Jewish person. There are things, the words that offend me have right. come to offend me. Right. And because now I'm learning what they mean. And mm-hmm. why, why would a Jewish person want to know Yeshua? I, I don't. Because even the word baptism in the in the Hebrew, do you know what it means? Not, not the word baptism. It I have. means bad. It means oh. a liar. It means you're a liar. Mm. And if you go right. to a Jewish I know it's a very different... Say, yeah, if you say, hey, Jewish you word, yeah. No, I don't think so. That's your little Right. Whatever. Right. So we need to educate ourselves. Right. And and I think that there needs you know, there there's a humility in um, in as we grow in that understanding. As we say, you know, we we understand this. We if we understand whatever you understand is the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. All of us, whatever we, there, there, there was a poster that was hanging in a classroom when I was in, in, um, it was at the middle school, seventh, eighth, ninth, where I was, but I was, I was in ninth grade and I would just sit and stare at the poster and I asked some, like my dad or somebody one time, like, what does this mean? And they tried to explain it and I was like, okay, I kind of get the idea. That's fine. And as I got, it just stuck with me. And as I got older and every year that I get older, I'm like, oh, I get it more. I get it more. And, and it was a picture of, like, it was this, this land mass, like a, like a sandy kind of beach land mass. And then the water, the ocean water came in and kind of went around and the water was flowing in and out. And it said on it, the longer the shoreline of knowledge, the greater the ocean of wonder. So if you think about, you know, when, when the water comes in, and I don't, if you've been in San Diego, like when you're going in, you see the water in the inlets long before you get to the beach. Right. You know, so if you're sitting at one of those inlets, that's, that's that, it's ocean, mm-hmm. but it's not a lot of ocean. And the shoreline is almost bigger than the ocean at that point. But as you move towards the ocean, and then you get out to where you're standing at the ocean, and, and as far as you can see, left and right, and as far as you can see out to the horizon is o- the ocean, you realize, oh, there is so much more water than land. Mm-hmm. Just right there. And the more, the more you come to under, it, when, you, when you meet somebody who's got it all figured out and can tell you exactly what something, something means, mm-hmm. right. that's the point where you go, oh, you understand a part of this. <laughs> Because the person who doesn't understand it, but has learned some things, well, here's how I'm applying it. Or I under, as I understand it, I'm embracing it. As I'm growing, as God's showing me, I'm, I'm, oh, it means that too. And applies there. Oh, that's what that means. And so, you know, the person who, who has it all figured out isn't reading scripture correctly. <laughs> Because you need to understand. Uh, one of my professors used to say, if you read Proverbs and you don't understand that you're the fool, you've missed the point of the book. <laughs> it's, it's not trying to tell you where everyone around you is wrong. <laughs> it's, it's talking to you. 
And, he, you know, same professor would say, he says, reading and studying and coming to understand God's word should humble you, not make you proud. Because if you're reading it and it's making you proud, you're missing the entire point. It humbles you. You get to that section and you go, you know, you can be reading. And there, might, there will be things you're like, oh, I don't struggle with that. I don't do that. That's great. And then you turn the page. Oh. There I am. <laughs> you know, which is kind of what, kind of what, yeah. Oh, this is the page for me. All righty. You know? <laughs> kind of like Amos. You know, if you can imagine a representative from each of those communities standing there. And every time Amos calls out a, an area and says what they've done and what's going to happen to them. And... And then, see, the way I think and, and the way that I relate to an experience with God, then I start wondering, did you put them in that order for a reason? <laughs> Actually, as he's calling out the first people, the people is nothing. They're all like, mm-hmm, that's right. I told him. I warned him. Oh, I knew that was coming. Wait, my turn? Oh. Oh, I did do that. <laughs> you know? And, and we, you know, we just do that. We do that. And... I almost sometimes think if I'm reading a section of the Bible that, that there's nothing that's talking to me. Maybe I just need to go to, a, forget the daily plan, let me read something. Oh, yeah, that I, need, I needed that today. I needed that today. I think what we need as people, and myself included, is to not always just give God his third, fourth fruits. Mm-hmm. We need to give him his first. And, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes, you know, if, if for us, you know, we do adhere a, a very closely mm-hmm. to the Sabbath. And if my worshiping on the Sabbath and adhering to it offends you, then you better get on your knees and find out why. Right. And, but, you know, a lot of times I think this is what happened with these people. They became very complacent, mm-hmm. lazy. God's going to love me no matter what. I'm a child of Israel. I'm a child of God. I'm a chosen people. I'm in time. But you know what? Oh, Guess yes. what? When we accept Yeshua, into our life, mm-hmm. we are a child right. of the house of Israel. Right. And so we need to try a little bit harder, and sometimes even it might hurt a little bit. Right. It might inconvenience us. We have to shut those phones off. We have to turn the TV off for a little while to talk to God and see what He has to say. Yeah. yeah. Then I think that's uh, sometimes it's painful, but God wants us to see a little more. Right. He makes a comment sometimes that uh, he said it, it, it really is, uh, I think it's almost contradictory for me to say this because I'm talking to you on a radio station or on a podcast, but I encourage you to do a media fast mm-hmm. so you can oh, yeah. hear God's voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He said so many times we get in the car. Afraid of the silence, mm-hmm. and so, and I, I, that's one of my things. You know, I'm always listening to some minister or mm-hmm. Christian music. Yeah. So you know, I'm being fed. I'm being fed. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It would be a good idea to spend a little bit of that time in quiet, mm-hmm. quiet, and you'll be able to give yourself an opportunity. Right. Yeah. I think that's what happened. Amos. I think they, they lost hope. Yeah. God was still there, but they forgot right. who God was. They couldn't hear him above the noise. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that um, happened to me before. I had a car, and the lady that um, was given to me, and the people.
people were like, well, there's no radio. And I was like, I don't care if the car is like, It drives. You know? And it drives. And this is great. And I'm in there and I'm like, oh. You know? Like, this is really quiet. I didn't think this would bother me. You know? And then the next thing I know, I'm going crazy. Like, I really wish I had a song right now. All these emotions I'm going through. Until one day after I tell her mom, I said, now I think people think I'm crazy because I'm in there praising the Lord and talking to God. Yeah. And, song. Yeah. and I'm having aha moments all because of no radio because all of a sudden it was like I started having yeah, I just yeah. started having these random conversations. I was like, I think people think I'm insane because I'm not like, really? You think that? Because you know, I was thinking kind of like this and then, you know, next thing I go, I go, oh, all right, who am I to tell you? I get it. No, right? You know, and I'm having these epiphanies and I'm like, I think people are like, what? You know, but I was literally in my own bubble, in my own cloud, and it was beautiful to have the quiet, like, hindsight is twenty twenty. after experiencing that, it was like, it's good to cut that radio off, you're right, you yeah. know, because you're thinking, I'm doing good, I'm listening to sermons, I'm listening to, yeah. not all the time you need to listen to that, you can try to hear we, we've done media fasts at different times and in, in, in different ways. And, and it is, it's always, um, you know, I know lots of people who swear when they get lock a TV in a closet, suddenly their kids are getting along, you know. And by suddenly, I mean like three or four days later after yeah. they're going crazy from not having that, you know, and then they start to, wait, we have blocks, you know. And they, yeah. <laughs> oh, I can draw a picture, you know, they, whatever the things that are happening. And, and you know, another related thing and this just something I want to encourage you guys this this even just this weekend um because I know this when I was encouraged to do this I thought well that and it really actually changed a lot of a lot of my thinking about it but it was to and and I'm, I'm not at all suggesting that taking things to the Lord or asking him for things or bringing you know petitioning him I'm not I'm not saying that's an, a bad thing I'm not saying it's it's not okay but I would encourage you to set some time apart and commit to not asking God for anything. But instead, when something comes on your heart, to stop and thank him for the answer he's already provided. Thank him that, for knowing about it and, and express a trust that you know he's already got something in place. Because a lot of times I think we get caught up in, you know, Taking it to the Lord, yes, but it's like we—it's almost like we don't understand that. It's like we have to convince Him, you know. We, like if, if right. I can, if I show you how important it is to me, then, then you'll do something, or you know, oh, and I just want to sit here and I want to. Expand. And again, the feelings aren't even wrong. It's just—it's a different focus when you're always crying out in need mm-hmm. than it is where you're Thank speaking you. in confidence. And because generally I find when you're crying out in need, you have some idea of what the answer is supposed to look like, and you're not going to notice the answer unless it looks like that. And sometimes people are saying, where is God in this? (laughs) Like, you know. Not having a baby yet. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Crystal was so kind. She was like, Tanya. God and here I'm going, there's no God in this. I can't wait. God wants the baby out now. There's no God in this. You know, I'm all, and I'm like, oh, you are so into pregnancy. It's okay. <laughs> and, and so when we have this idea, well, 
this, this is the only way I can figure out to answer. God, you got to understand. I got to, and I need this. And remember that this is part of my need. And remember, here's all this stuff. You got to cover all this. And that's works. Yes. Mm-hmm. And when you get to that point, and then sometimes God, God, there are times I've seen where God provides it and the person completely misses it. Mm-hmm. And there are times that I've seen where it's not provided because that isn't ever what God was going to do. And his goal at that point becomes moving you around to where he wants you. Why is why isn't God doing anything? Well, maybe you're not where you need to be for him to do it. Be still. Right. And so and know he is God. Because that's the point when you sit there and when you can say, Okay, God, you knew about this need before I did. You've got a plan I trust. Help me see you in this. However it's going to end up, even if it's not something I can imagine, I praise you for it. Show me what you're doing. Because i got to believe that Amos was not the only righteous person. i got to believe that other people were praying for Israel. i got to believe that there were other people on their face before the Lord going, what is happening here and how are you going to fix it? And then Amos' word came and they all went, God's moving where do you want me? What do you want me doing? How do you want me speaking? Who am I talking to? Whose heart's open? Where, what do you, this had, I have to believe this was in part a call to arms for those individuals within the community. And if you think about each section, if you hear that for your community, you know exactly where to target your efforts. <laughs> this is where I need to be praying specifically. This is what I need to be on the lookout for. This is what I need to be prompting my neighbor about. This is where I need to focus my attention. Yeah, because that's an instruction. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. It's instruction. It is, it is a threat. You know, it's going to be, per- and this is where, it's going to be perceived as a threat by the unrighteous. Right, right. And instruction by the righteous. The word isn't going to change, but how they respond to it, people will mock it, people will reject it, people will ignore it, or people will be called to action by it. And the only thing you are in charge of at that point is what part of those groups, like which group are you part of? (laughs) And so, so that's, you know, and that's, that's totally, and I think when you start taking those things to the Lord in that different way. And there are sometimes now when I be, I'll be taking something to the Lord, and he'll just very gently go, you know, I got it. And I go, you know what? I'm going to deal with all my feelings about it. You know, this I got it, and I thank you for being there for my feelings. But you're right. You do have it. I, I trust you. I'm going to go. I'm going to wait. Whatever you do. Yeah, tell okay me if I need me. to do something. I'm not going to do anything until you tell me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's no surprise to God. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, our reaction isn't a surprise either. No, exactly. <laughs> We're yeah. just where we are. And, and always so. people say God tests us, and, and like he doesn't know the answer. Right. But that's when the test is for us. Right. Yeah. Right. Like to show us what we haven't like, figured out yet. Yeah, what God are you that don't know the answer? That's right. the wrong the, fi- the The final exam is judgment day. So until then, you mm-hmm. <laughs> keep taking um, practice tests. And <laughs> to what you were saying, that it kind of reminded me of something that I went through with Mark when he was trying to like prove his point so hard to me as to why he wanted this one thing. And I kept saying, well, no, you know, and he's like, but mommy, da, 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 da. And it's like all this asking, asking, asking. And finally I go, stop. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> like, you know, and I was like, this is why I'm saying no, honey, that is right now. And then he's like, 
Oh, and it's almost like he wanted to tell me why did I, why didn't I say that in the first place? And in my mind, I'm like, I've been telling you. Yeah, that. Just trust me. You know, I wasn't trust just me. saying no. I was giving you the answer, but you were so busy asking me. Right, you know? right. It's okay. Right. I feel like right. God does that. So yeah, it's like, yeah. I've been giving you this answer, but you're so busy. You keep interrupting me, me with, with more of your why. You don't think I yeah, know it already. Like, okay. Come up with diagrams. Well, he'll wait. He's patient. Good idea. You got a PowerPoint like, going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right that's right I'm bringing you my my petition and my problem today I'm going to lay it out before you suggest some things I don't know maybe you'll want to do them that way I don't know <laughs> so may the Lord bless you and keep you may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you may the Lord turn his countenance upon you and grant you peace and may the Lord show you his presence and give you the answers that you need to the things that you're facing and the things you didn't even know were around the corner. In Yeshua's name, amen. Amen. Hmm. Yeah, they rejected my work and response. Oh. Yeah, so for the last four weeks. So I'm like,